This episode of Beyond Aporia originated in the Howenstein Center's webcast, Lunch and Learn with Gleaves, available at www.gvsu.edu slash hc. Welcome to the Howenstein Center's new online program, Lunch and Learn. I'm your host, Gleaves Whitney. During our quarantine, we may not be able to journey beyond our homes, but that should not stop us from journeying beyond our minds. Today's journey takes us from the war zone to one's home, and our guide through that often tough transition is Dr. Michael Ryan. Dr. Ryan earned his PhD in psychology from Colorado State University, and he will help us understand what folks who suffer from post-traumatic stress are going through during this unprecedented time in our nation's history. Many of our veterans are struggling with anxiety and depression, and Dr. Ryan will offer some tips about what they can do to cope with the stay-home orders that are virtually in place in every state in the union now. Dr. Ryan has more than four decades of clinical experience as a practicing psychologist working with children and adults. This makes him a really good guide today. His background in neuropsychology helps him understand the neurology, the biology behind anxiety and depression. <clears throat> my conversation with my good friend Michael will go about 30 minutes, followed by questions from our viewers. Our goal is to keep the program under 45 minutes, so feel free to begin sending your questions to us right away using the Zoom toolbar to do so. Uh, Thank you for joining pleasure. me, Dr. I Ryan. always have fun talking to you, Gleaves. Thank you. Well, our first responders, medical personnel in emergency rooms, and others on the front lines of our war against COVID-19, more prone to developing post-traumatic stress, you think? And what are the signs we should be looking for? Absolutely, Gleaves. Because of this crisis, the nature of this crisis, the severity and how, how long it is, and also the um, not knowing, it, it really produces a very traumatic situation um, for our doctors our police, our first doctors, um, and all medical personnel. And as you know, um, our police in Detroit, have, you know, many of them have come down with the illness. Um, many doctors and medical people in New York City um, have come down and died. Um, it's just um, a terrible situation and the prolonged stress of seeing people die, of being helpless as you're trying to try to help people, and the danger to yourself and perhaps your family um, has a huge impact on a neurology. Um, and I think it's, it's made worse um, by the lack, our lack of being prepared with the proper equipment, not really having the knowledge we need to know how to fight this thing. Um, it just makes it very, very difficult. And I think what we will find is some people will respond pretty quickly with symptoms, and then others, it may be a year or two down the road that they uh, start demonstrating the symptoms of PTS. Um, and what we ought to look for are the symptoms of first vigilance, um, being very anxious and watching and scanning the environment 
for dangers, for things that could happen, could go wrong. Um, is the first one um, avoiding things that remind you of this period and um, and then the third symptom, which is important, is re-experiencing aspects of having flashbacks, hearing voices. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> but having flashbacks, remembering situations, things that have that have happened, um, having things in your environment trigger those memories. Why, why do our veterans and other people with post-traumatic stress have a hard, harder time specifically with coping with these stay-home orders? Well, again, for all of us, it's a very stressful time and situation. The unknowns make it very difficult. And if you've suffered from PTS, just being in a stressful situation is likely to trigger it. Um, also, um, I think this having to stay in one place, not having the freedom to go out and move, for many people with PTS can reenact some of the feelings they had in hunkering down or being stuck in some place as you know, bullets flew or helicopters or bombs came in. Um, just that feeling of claustrophobia and not being able to move and that it's dangerous to go out. So if somebody is suffering from this or the people around them uh, are noticing that they're suffering from PTS, what recommendations do you have to help them cope with PTS? Well, I think in terms of dealing with the stress, the first thing that can be helpful actually for all of us is to reframe some of the things we, the more, um, unhelpful thoughts we have um, so that instead of saying, oh, this is terrible, how am I ever gonna make this through? To say something like, well, you know, this is hard, this is tough, but I have a track record of getting through hard times, being able to get through and I've got support, I've got my family and friends and we'll work together on this. Um, I find that it's helpful as much as possible to try to keep your daily routine, even though so much has changed. You may not be able to go to the office or the garage or where you work, but if you can keep a certain routine and build in routines for yourself, that can be very helpful. And that structure helps stabilize you and it also keeps your mind off of um, the stress and the worries that can come up. And, those are many, and they're particularly exacerbated by the news cycle that's going on. Um, we're bombarded with information about COVID-19 and different um, estimates of what the death rate's going to be, how contagious it is, how it's spread, and they're so different. You know, they go from you know estimating we may have death rates of two million to half a million. Um, and so not only are you very anxious about hearing all this, but then it's very confusing and you don't have a sense that people really know what they're doing. 
and some people do, some people don't. Um, so if you can limit the amount of um, time you spend looking at the news and, you know, so maybe a half hour in the morning, a half hour in the evening, um, but try not to uh, watch or listen to the news maybe two hours um, before your bedtime because it can interfere with your sleep. And one of the things you want to do is get a, a very routine sleep schedule if you can. Um, connecting with others is very important. It's very difficult because sheltering in place order. But now you have platforms like this where you can meet with family and friends. Um, you know, talk to your, your buddies and um, make sure you build that into your routines. Um, I suggested to you that we, we have lunch together. That's something we do um, about once a month. I haven't done it in a couple of months because of all this. And so just sit down using Zoom, order out some um, good possible uh, make some but just those kinds of contacts on a regular basis are very important well, a lot of folks oh i'm sorry well um helping others um is very important i'll talk a little bit more about some ways to do that but again it's difficult to do that the next thing i'm sorry for this long list that I'll okay um have fun develop some pleasurable activities um, with the people you're sheltering in with, um, games, video games, exercise as much as you can, get out when you can, um, go for walks or runs or bicycles in a way. Um, and then finally, if you really are feeling overwhelmed or your, your family feels like it's just too much for you, reach out and get some therapy and some help. Um, if you have, if you've had a therapist in the past, we're more than willing to give you a hand through teletherapy at this point. If you need to develop a relationship, it's not ideal, but you know, I'm surprised how well it works. Um, and I'm kind of old school because I'm old. <laughs> you know, so I've been a little hesitant about all this telemedicine kind of thing, but I, I had to move to it, um, in my practice. And it's, you know, it's not perfect, but it really, it really can help. So, so go, go ahead. Yes. Well, uh, I think this is really interesting. All the different scenarios you put out there for the different situations people encounter who have post-traumatic stress. Well, a lot of them are in very significant relationship roles. It seems to be need to be supportive and understanding of each other. Go a little bit deeper on how say the the married partner of somebody who's suffering from pts should can be supportive and understanding well it um it's a real blessing to have a partner in this situation um and there are some times where you really come together and it's good and then i think for all of us there are times when we think seriously about ways to kill our partner you know because of the stress and the difficulty um so give yourself permission to have both feel very lucky but also feel very frustrated um talking and connecting is very important 
And when you're talking about difficult things or things that are frustrating you, it's important to use the old thing of I statements, begin your statements with, I feel like this when you do that. Um, so you own the feeling instead of saying something like, you make me feel really dumb or you make me feel really small. Keep it about you, um, but do communicate your feelings. Um, I think it's important to thoughtfully in a, in a relationship plan for some times to be alone where you have you just go to different rooms or one of you goes for a walk and the other you know reads a book and it's just your alone time and then some together times too um maybe planning every day a date you know whatever works for you from 20 minutes of going for a walk together or playing a chess game or something you know to watching a movie or that kind of thing but a time when you're really together and, and maybe schedule some times where you can talk about how things are going um, and then probably the next most important thing is just to have fun together um, in this stress and the worry we can lose our capacity to have fun and enjoy each other and it's that's kind of like um, the medicine <laughs> if you will to help us keep going so that if you can plan activity together in different you know your spouse or your partner or with your kids um you know if you have kids again that's another stress but you know pull out play with your kids it can pull you out of a lot of your worrying and so forth i think it's easy for us to think well we've got to play the way they want to play and that's it's good to do that but you know teach them some things you enjoy to do you know if you know if you've got an old nintendo in the basement <laughs> with um super mario super mario brothers or something like that um pull that out and teach them how to do that if you're going to enjoy that and it's going to take you to a, a happier place where you didn't have this kind of stress um well, from what you've been saying, the internet plays a huge role nowadays. You know, Zoom, Facebook, Skype, other platforms are helpful. But what do you do when you encounter somebody who is old school and they've been reluctant to have a Facebook account or tackle the technology involved with Zoom, which is actually quite simple, but still, they're old school. How do you get them to cross that, to make that passage? It's <laughs> a really good question. I think if possible, um, to have an identified technology person um, in the house, which is usually your child, because our kids know <laughs> much more about this stuff than we do. Um, but even, you know, to have a friend, um, even us old guys, usually a friend who got interested in um, computers and technology years ago, and they're used to helping people. So, you get on the phone and have them talk you through how to use Zoom, how to set it up. Um, it's good if um, there's a real fear or just a, a kind of a hatred of technology. Sometimes I think you can use the family um, 
to get them used to it. So as a family or as a couple sit down and, you know, Zoom with the person's sister or their mother or, or something. So they're not really doing it for themselves, they're doing it for you and the family, but it gets them used to seeing it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of fun. Well, absolutely. Um, And COVID-19 has been so disruptive. And some people, I don't think you even have to have post-traumatic stress to go through this. Some people don't do well with disruption. They like their routine. And all of a sudden, now they have to come up with different routine than what they've been used to for maybe many years. Uh, Again, another passage, another transition. how do we encourage people who are just so frustrated at having to adopt a new routine? Because as you point out, routines are important for coping Mm -hmm. with the uh, shut-in situation if you have post-traumatic stress. How do they make that transition? Well, again, helping them try to set up a routine that's as close as possible to their old routine. So if all of a sudden they're working from home, you know, starting the um the work at the same time um wear pants you know i mean it sounds weird but um it's easy when you're home just to do the sweatpants or the t-shirt and sometimes that's good but maybe when you're going to work so to speak you get a little dressed up so that's because that's part of your routine and it gives you more of a sense of stability um also, if you can develop some rituals, either rituals bothered from your faith um, background, um, programs, or your faith background, or your um, say your ancestry, kind of your family tradition, and so forth. Um, or develop some rituals yourself that um, are important to you. Um, maybe a phone call to your aunt every Sunday night. Um, you know, um, a time in the day when you color. Um, I've got a number of friends who've found that coloring is very soothing and it kind of helps break that chain of worrying that can occur. So those routines or even rituals can be really helpful. I, I'm just curious, your, your uh, comment about coloring makes me wonder, since you've worked with children so much, uh, do children use coloring books to soothe themselves? I think so. They indefinitely use play not only to soothe themselves, but to work things out. Um, so work out conflicts so play is a very important medium for kids but even as adults it's it's really helps us um soothe ourselves it's a way of connecting um enjoying the people we love and are with so and it's one of the hard things about this period is we're cut off from the people we usually play with Well, Michael, that leads to another question. You and I, going way back, have talked about this. 
sometimes when you're really struggling with depression and anxiety, the best thing you can do is go out and help others. But of course, in a shut-in situation, a stay home and shelter situation, that's hard to do. You've mentioned, call, you, a minute ago, you mentioned call your aunt, you know, reach out, do a, a sort of a, a, maybe a virtual cocktail hour or a virtual dinner with another couple, that kind of thing. Anything else that you would recommend that people can do from home to help others and check in on others and get kind of out of their own zone of depression and anxiety? Well, one of the things um, I've been aware of, um, and I'm, first of all, I'm lucky enough to live in a neighborhood, um, but it seems like my neighborhood has kind of come together and been an opportunity as painful as it is for us to get to know each other a little better, um, to check on each other. I mean, we're six feet apart, but you know, we stick our heads out and say hello and how you doing and do you need anything? Um, if there's somebody in your neighborhood who's older and you know, might need their, their walk shoveled or something, that's something you can do. There is um, a website called, um, let me see, Nextdoor. Um, if you Google Nextdoor, um, you'll get it, which kind of connects neighborhoods. Um, oftentimes, a neighborhood, you know, might put out a, a notice for a while, we, you know, I think it was seven o'clock, we were sticking our heads out and waving at our neighbors. Um, that's really helpful. But more importantly, they've got a program where you can sign up to be a neighborhood helper. I forget exactly what they call it. But then there's a map of all the different neighborhoods and um, people who need something, um, need groceries or, a tree removed or something can identify possible helpers. Um, and I, I, just that sense of community and that we're in this together, I think really is very helpful for people. Well, Michael, in addition to your professional training, you've dedicated your life to music. I mean, going back to college, you and I used to play guitar together and you'd play the mandolin and I get on the dulcimer. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, but you're really good. And you're also a luthier. You know, you make these stringed musical instruments. And how important do you think music is in the lives of those with PTS? Well, I hope uh, it's very important and it's an opportunity for them because it's enriched my life so much. Uh, and saved my life really at times of stress and depression. Um, and it can be um, as simple as making sure you listen to your favorite songs, you have some uplifting playlists you listen to regularly. Um, my wife's on Tuesday nights and Friday night, yeah, Friday nights, um, we have a dance party and um, we take turns being the DJ, picking two dance songs, and then we get on Zoom and we all dance like idiots, okay? Um, but <laughs> the music, enjoying the music is wonderful. That's great. Good exercise. Um, 
for those of us that need it. Um, and with um, my youngest daughter, she's musical. Her husband is a, a fabulous um, musician. And now she's got a little baby who we're hoping is um, a future musician. We have a song of the week. Um, my youngest daughter grew up listening to me play old folk songs and Bob Dylan songs. And, um, we went to a number of Dylan concerts together. And so every week we pick out a song and we work on it. And then we get together, we use Facebook for that. And, and I'm working on some other technologies that might work better, but we just sing and play and, and have fun with that. So, I mean, it just, it's one kind of um, hobby or um, what would you say, kind of, um, well, thing that you just love um, that really can lift your spirits and get your mind off of things. And it, it might be art, um, you know, there's just lots. It might be an interest in cars and mechanics, you know, following those passions was the word I was looking for can really help in this situation. Oh, I so get that. That would, the music would certainly work in our house and dancing in particular. I'm, I'm surrounded by dancers. Oh, well, let's go, let's, let's go to the, the opposite end of the spectrum and, and quiet. Uh, to what extent are techniques like, you know, mindfulness, meditation, and yoga helpful during these times of stress? They can be very helpful. The research is clear that they're very helpful when these stressful times and um, they're, they're not a cure for PTSD, but they're very helpful for folks with PTS. Um, and for a couple of all produce a very deep level of relaxation. And the research seems to show that that relaxation response is really what is very therapeutic to the point of helping us build um, brain cells that have been destroyed by stress and tension. Um, and then the other thing is it um, sometimes can help break that chain of worrying and ruination that often occurs. Um, so it helps you relax and helps get your mind off of, you know, the difficult things that are happening now. I'm really impressed because so much of what you're saying, Michael, is that people who are suffering from post-traumatic stress do not have to go through this experience alone. Uh, there are a lot of people who want to help. What resources would you recommend that are available in our communities, especially during these stay-home orders? Well, I think um, using veterans associations, the VA, um, other um, organizations are set up to help um, in all sorts of different ways. Um, there's a veterans, um, West Michigan Veterans Task Force, which is just excellent. Um, and I can get you the, the telephone numbers and addresses of some of those. Um, the um, CDC has some information on um, post-traumatic stress and ways to help. Um, I think there are a number of ways to reach out and find a good therapist if you need that. Um, 
So uh, just okay. a, feeling free to use community resources and talking to friends who have been struggling with similar kinds of things. Oftentimes they will know of good counselors or good therapists um, or just activities that are just very helpful. Very good. Well, we've got some questions rolling in and I certainly hope, let me give a shout out to Jim Hodges down there in Texas. I hope we hear from, from Jim, Cowboy Jim. Uh, he has been one of our star speakers year after year. Let me just say that we've got at the Hauenstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley, we've had a post-traumatic stress conference year in and year out, instigated really by Dr. Ryan, and myself back in about 2008 was our first one. And uh, it, we call it the hidden wounds of war. And Michael, you've presented at so many of those. Jim Hodges has presented at so many of them. So uh, we hope that some of you who've enjoyed those conferences over the years are watching. And by the way, um, a great passion to have is being a cowboy. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you're still allowed to get yeah. out on the range ride. Um, yes, uh, that's, that's exactly right. And he tells the story of how animals can have post-traumatic stress and how he had it coming out of the Vietnam War and how he was able to work with animals. They had beautiful stories. Uh, and we have all of these. If you go to the Hauenstein Center website, gvsu.edu slash hc and go back into our video archive and our past events, you'll see some of Jim's previous uh, talks and you'll see Dr. Ryan's too about this very topic. Well, we're having a number of questions that are coming in and here's one. This person apparently is a very sensitive soul because they're asking, it's anonymous, writes in and asks, you know, there are good ways to reach out and check in on people and then there are bad ways to check in people that you suspect are going through a lot of stress. Name a couple of good ways and a couple of bad ways that we should avoid. Well, I think just being as open as possible, um, Persistent. I mean, it's easy when people have kind of isolated and are kind of gruff with you to um, just to give up and say, "Well, forget it." You know, hang in there, but don't don't be a pest. You know, I mean, say, "Well, I'll, I respect what you're saying, but I want you to know I'm here, and I may give you a call in a couple of weeks just to you know see how you're doing." Um, I think if the person is willing to do some talking, just listening, um, being able, you know, not always trying to fix it, but just sometimes listen to what they have to say um, is really important. Um, sometimes if, you, if your friend or loved one has a good sense of humor, sending a comic or a, a video to kind of cheer them up is a way of connecting, but it's, not too demanding or threatening. Um, I think the, in terms of the bad way, ways, um, one of the bad ways is, um, you know, to be too, too persistent, too pushy, certainly to tell the person what they need to do, um, being very confrontive, is not helpful unless you've got a very, very good relationship with the person. Um, but those kinds of things and this kind of, I know what's best for you and 
you're really broken and you need to get help, that's not going to, it's not going to help and it's not going to be accepted well. So. We have uh, three questions that have come in. Uh, people are interested in how do we focus on children in the most helpful way? You know, the kids are having to handle all the changes in their whole family's lives. And so what do you recommend for any children who are listening and also their caregivers? Well, I, th um, I think let's start with the caregivers um, because we really, the adults in the family are kind of the models for the kids. Um, they know something's going on, but they really don't know what. And our level of anxiety, our tension, and our attitude really has a huge effect, probably more than our words. Um, so trying not to be too anxious, trying to be positive, um, but at the same time being truthful and open with the child, because children, are, they're sharp. They know when, you know, you're not being honest with them. So that to let them know that this is a difficult time, um, we're going through a crisis, um, don't have to get into all the details. You know, just let them know that this is a time when we're in many people working together and we're going to get through this is, is a good message. You don't need to go into the mortality rates or how ages been, you know, the, um, you know, um, you know, don't over talk. Just keep it short and simple, but with a positive attitude. Um, for kids who are watching, um, what I'd say is a similar kind of thing. This is critical. Um, you're having to give up a lot, as we all are for this, but we're all helping by staying home and helping our parents, helping our loved ones. Um, and it's gonna be okay. Um, things are gonna be all right. And oftentimes in a situation, a crisis like this, um, we learn and societies change in ways that are beneficial. So even though it's gonna to be tough and we're gonna have a, a hard time building, rebuilding what's, you know, what's happened, um, we will, I think we'll come out of this stronger. They have learned some very important things about technology, about each other. Um, and so there may be some good things to come out of this as well. Is there a danger? Uh, Brittany asks a question. Uh, she's also wondering about the health issues involving children as they go through this very stressful time for so many families. And she's essentially wondering, how resilient are children? I mean, parents are gonna make mistakes. Siblings are gonna be making mistakes dealing with younger children. But how resilient are they? Um, children are very resilient. I think one of our um, errors in my generation is trying to protect them more than we really needed to. Um, I mean, there are kids that grow up in war zones, um, destitute, 
kids who grew up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Um, and they survive and they learn. Um, so, you know, we want to help. And I, say it, I think the key thing there is that the adults and siblings are positive that you have a sense of cohesion and working together and this optimistic um, attitude of it's going to be okay, you're going to be fine, it's going to be hard work, but we're going to make it. Um, and I think the time, it's hard to watch kids go through hard times, but I also, over 40 years, I've watched kids who've really struggled and had an opportunity then to see them in later life. Oftentimes they're very strong and um, they still feel the scars, but it gives them a complexity and a strength that I think is very admirable. Um, and I think in some ways it's much, it's more, much more appealing to me than the ones who just, you know, were straight A students and went through Harvard and everything's just been a, you know, downhill slide for them. People like that, I'm sorry if you're listening, but they seem kind of shallow to me, you know? Um, okay, uh, just a couple more questions, Michael. Uh, we have somebody, an anonymous writer, who's wondering what are the things you personally, you, Dr. Ryan, do in times like this to help keep a routine and just keep your wits about you? Um, Again, the routine is important. Um, I mean, it'd be real easy to sleep in, you know, and stay up late. And my biological clock is kind of maybe 10 o'clock to three in the morning. Um, but I find that it, um, I feel better. Um, you know, if I get up at seven, I try to get to bed at 10, get a good night's sleep. Um, I'm trying to eat very healthy, good meals, um, and working on things. Um, that's how I always find my work very, very helpful. Um, but then, as you mentioned, Gleaves, music is just, it helps me tremendously. It's, it's a way of when I start worrying and I'm frustrated that, you know, how can a the richest countries in the world not have enough face masks for the medical professionals or their first responders. It's a travesty. And I, you know, I get all pumped up and stuff. You know, I can sit down and with my guitar and, you know, play an old protest song or, um, you know, sing it. And it just takes me to a different world. And it just helps me relax and not be so frustrated with that. And I can just do with your music. Well, the last question that we have time for is how common traumatic stress in the U.S. and how can people learn more about this this uh, PTS? Unfortunately, striking us. How can they learn more about it? Good questions. Um, 
my memory, and I didn't, just as a fact, I didn't go back and um, research partially because it's key, it's been changing quite a bit. Um, it's much more prevalent than we ever thought. Um, I think it's about 3%, but I, I could be wrong. Um, there is a lot of information. Um, the Department of Defense has quite a bit of information. There's a PTS um, organization. I can get you the, the you know, website, which has great information on it. Um, if you if you want to learn more, um, going back and listening to some of the programs that the Allenstein Center has put on, it's a great way of, of doing that. Um, and not only looking at PTSD, we've had some very good people um, come and speak, but also um, moral injury. What happens in, uh, you know, it's not, I don't think it's as big a deal in this situation, but in war and combat, there's also a toll that's taken on people's spirituality. Um, and it's, it's a new area. And the Heilenstein Center has been um, very, very good at bringing in the best people to speak about that. So if you have an interest in that area, that's a great resource. Allie is putting some things up on the screen right now for people who are seeking extra resources online. Uh, she's got a couple of things that she's posted, uh, including our Hallenstein Center videos that you've mentioned, Michael. Well, is there anything else you would like to mention that we haven't covered? You know, some book or article that you think is especially important or some call to action? Well, I, the only call to action I guess I would have is we're really at a, a turning point. This is a huge crisis, and we can make the choice to be angry and hateful and blame each other and, you know, try to seek revenge, or we can choose um, a positive path. We can choose to work together to support each other, um, to realize how precious our lives and our time really are and try to come out of this on the other side, stronger, um, more connected, a stronger society. Um, and one that um, kind of where we've rearranged our values. You know, we've really examined what's the most important thing, you know, is it, more important the hospital make money or have the supplies their professionals need you know those are important questions that we haven't answered very well at times well good words to end on dr michael ryan thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners and now they know why you're such a valued partner with the howenstein center when we host these annual pts conferences the hidden ones of war well, I will also thank our listeners whom I invite to Zoom in or join us on Facebook at the same time Thursday when my guest will be Kaylor Sweeney. Kaylor serves in the Michigan Army National Guard and is graduating from our Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy later this month. He will help us understand what we can do to encourage more students to consider a career in public service because now is more important 
than any other time in recent memory that they do so. So till Thursday at 1 p.m., stay tuned and stay well. Thanks for watching. Beyond Aporia is a podcast brought to you by the Hauenstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley State University. The director of the Hauenstein Center and producer of this podcast is Gleaves Whitney. The theme music was composed by Andrew Whitney. The Hauenstein Center is inspired by Ralph W. Hauenstein's legacy of leadership and service. Our programs address many of the pressing issues that Americans face. To learn more about the Hauenstein Center, please visit us at www.gvsu.edu/hc. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is Gleaves Whitney. Thank you.